I think this will be a short episode, right? I think so. Usually when I say that, it's like two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Let me get into character. <laughs> okay. How now, brown cow? How now, brown cow? You know what? I might go get a glass of scotch for this one. Hello. Welcome to Star Trek. Uh, fuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Sheer Fucking. I gotta go on mute. It's happening again. Remember last episode when Willie quoted, it may be hard to be professional, but it's not hard to not be unprofessional. Be professional, goddammit. Prepare yourself for sheer fucking hubris. Fucking hubris. Hello, and welcome to Sheer Fucking Hubris podcast started by three friends and Star Trek fans where we weekly watch an episode of Star Trek Discovery and then proceed to talk about it. I am Joe Bob and I am joined by Biblio Warden Yo, and Mr. Willie. Hello. And this week we watch season two episode six The Thunder from Down Under. <laughs> And, yeah, I don't know. I'll toss this one to Biblio Ward. Ward, what did you think of episode six? The Thunder Rolls. I think this is a setup. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, <laughs> I was on muted because I couldn't be professional enough to stop laughing, but... <laughs> I find it ironic that you that you let in with me talking about how it may be hard to be professional, but it's not that hard to be unprofessional. Saru spent this entire episode being unprofessional, so I feel like it was pretty fitting. Uh, I think the episode could have ended after Saru uh, apathetically got up out of the captain's chair. <laughs> that was probably the peak of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was all downhill from the teaser. It was all downhill from there. I, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, it was funny. Saru's demeanor on that whole bridge scene was the best part of the episode to me. But I, I didn't want to steal the show. Warden, <laughs> go on. I am almost certain I did not have nearly as much of a problem with this episode as you guys seem to have. As we seem to have. I feel like that is an every episode thing. Mm-hmm. That's the only tether in this show, but I haven't even said I had a problem with it. Joe Bob, how did you feel about it then? Well, I felt like you gave it too much credit when you said it peaked at him getting out of the chair. <laughs> I thought it peaked earlier than that and was already on the downhill slide. <laughs> so what was the climax for you then? Uh, when I opened up Amazon Prime and went to the name and saw it was named The Sound of Thunder, and I was like, oh, that's the name of a short story that I liked. And then I started it and saw a butterfly, and I thought, that's a cool nod to that story that I liked. And then my brain just went off the rails, because I said, is that an android butterfly, I wonder? <laughs> and then they zoomed out, and we're in Saru's room. 
And I thought, does it make sense to have butterflies on a spaceship? <laughs> like carry insects around? That's probably not a good idea, just floating out around in your quarters. And later on, we find out that all those flowers are from Saru's planet. So did he have all the seeds with him? Yes, he did. They were burrs. They were stuck to his little robe. Do you have the butterfly larva with them? I have no idea about the butterfly, but they made a point that um, he brought the uh, seeds with him from Kaminar. So he brought them to the Archimedes, transferred them to the Shinjo. Did they go back and get seeds from the flowers when they got the telescope? Who the hell knows? Did the flowers survive in the vacuum space? For seven seconds. What about for seven months? I'm guessing not. Did the butterflies survive for seven months? <laughs> the butterflies could be terrestrial as far as we know. That was not a terrestrial butterfly. Yeah, that, it was actually an endangered butterfly they came across. That uh, science decorum made them beam it on board into the save it. There's a space flutter by. <laughs> so yeah, so as, as soon as the butterfly came on screen, that was the high point for me. Have you guys have you ever read The Sound of Thunder? I have not. No, I don't believe so. I, I like it. It's one of the first time travel science fiction stories that I remember reading. It's a Ray Bradbury short story, and The Simpsons did a great take on it in one of the Treehouse of Horrors. So, you know, bear with me if I fuck up the details. Okay, yeah, I'm familiar with this one. It starts out, there's a guy that, he's a big game hunter, and he goes to like this safari place that's set in the future. Mm -hmm. and everything's going great. Anyway, uh, this uh, safari he's going to is a time safari where they actually take you back in time and let you hunt extinct species. Mm -hmm. So he's going back to hunt a T-Rex, and it's very specific. Like, you can only walk on the paths that we lay out. You can only shoot the animal that we've marked, nothing else, because there could be ripple effects through time. They go back in time. He gets out of the time machine. He walks along this levitating path so that you know he doesn't tread on any of the ground all of a sudden a t-rex comes through he's like fuck this shit that's scary and he just hauls ass back mm -hmm. so guy shoots the t-rex as soon as the t-rex falls like a boulder falls off a cliff or something and lands right on the t-rex's head so basically they find animals that were about to die anyway and uh he comes back and he is pissed at the guy because in running back he didn't bother to be on the path or anything and he's basically like if you have fucked anything up in the future I'm going to kill you myself. And they get back. And he's like, this is going to be fine, right? And it's basically the same place. And he's like, whew. Then he notices like the air smells a little bit polluted. And like he can feel his skin kind of prickling. And he notices that everything's just slightly different. The receptionist is wearing a MAGA hat. And then a screen pops up out of the floor. And instead of the guy that they had voted for president, now it's like Supreme Leader Flanders. It's like, hi it diddly ho it's time for your re-education moment. I may be conflating the story with the <laughs> Simpsons episode a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, and he's like, oh, God, I, I, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. He looks on the bottom of his boot, and it caked in the mud is a butterfly that he had crushed. And it's like, there's no way it could have fucked all this up. And he hears, you know, his guy getting pissed, and he hears him cock his rifle, and then it says there was the sound of thunder. And I actually, I think that that's where the term butterfly effect comes from, from him crushing the butterfly. Mm -hmm. Are we recording a podcast here, or are we talking about the sound of butterfly thunder? I'm just making sure. <clears throat> Fuck you, Willie. <laughs> Thanks, man. Sorry. 
I was feeling like yesterday's me instead of the me of tomorrow that I will become. <laughs> it was a very nice story. I appreciated it. I also don't understand the red lights. So there were seven that showed up and then they disappeared and now they're coming back one at a time. Is that right? I believe that is what it means, yes. That is, yes. And we don't know where the seven are, even though we have them on a map and we've shown the map multiple times. But they act surprised each time one of them shows up exactly where it was on the map that they have and can look at. I don't... Hmm. I guess it's like we're approximating where they are. They kind of go off, and then I think they, they, the implication is that they went off, but they weren't up there very long. They weren't there long enough to exactly position them in space is big. Space is big, but there's a lot of empty space in space. Hence the term space. True. <laughs> so, like, it didn't dawn on Saru that, like, hey, this one is on my old doorstep. And even if they don't know exactly where it is, they're supposed to be investigating these. Why don't they go towards where it is on the map? Even if they're off by like a couple million miles, you know. I don't know, man. How pissed would you be if you went all the way to the beta quadrant for one and then another one lit up? Like, son of a bitch. If I had a sport drive, it wouldn't bother me. Of course, I don't know if they have a dash drive or not. I don't know if they have the dash drive right now. Yeah. Did we kill that project? <laughs> It's a good thing that that 78% degradation of the starboard hall or port hall, whichever it was, good thing that didn't have any lingering effects. Well, they snapped a few pictures of it and sent it off to the insurance adjusters. <laughs> I guess they got right on that. Yeah. I feel like we're just, we're just actively trying as hard as we can not to talk about this episode. <laughs> I, I agree. And that's okay with me. That's, that, that, that's okay with me. Um, well, I mean, yeah, if you are, if you want to go scene by scene, we could do that. I don't want to go scene by scene. Let's just boil this down to its core points, right? So we obviously knew it's been kind of foreshadowed that there was going to be some kind of culminating episode about the Saru side arc and everything. And we were finally going to learn a little bit more of his backstory. And Right. And I think a few episodes ago, you made the joke, like, what if the Kelpians were like these genocidal maniacs or something, and, and that's why they're being suppressed. Didn't you say something like that a few episodes back? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I said that we're going to find out from the sphere that it was the great Kelpian empire that ruled the galaxy, <laughs> yeah. and that the bowels were doing everybody a favor by nipping in the bud at puberty. Yeah. So, so you nailed that one. I, I just have to say that I feel like that culmination that we finally got, it was not very satisfying. I mean, this episode was just shrouded in trying too hard. <laughs> like, what the hell was the deal with the Baul? I don't fucking know. I mean, if you can disappear into liquid, how can you... I mean, it's... They were like the little water guys in Futurama, where they could just like go into a puddle of water if they needed to, and... <sighs> That part was so dumb. How can one species possibly advance their technology that far when someone else is not? Uh, it, you know, but yet they're advanced enough to co-opt their technology to send an intergalactic signal. He has enough knowledge to do that. Yet we would infer the Kelpians have no technological prowess during that time period. Yeah. <sighs> 
It makes no fucking sense. <laughs> okay. The whole planet makes no goddamn sense at all. Okay. I don't understand how, first of all, the Kelpies aren't even as advanced as Jacob and his lost tribe. <laughs> Flying through the sky. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They're they like hunter-gatherer level of technology. And so I don't know what level of technology the Bowel were at 2,200 years ago, but it was enough that when they got shrunk down to like 500, they were like, fuck this. We are going to neutralize the Valhalla syndrome in everybody. And we're going to be able to monitor it completely and abduct these people right when they hit puberty. Yeah. Like that takes a lot of technological prowess. And then it took them 2,200 years from that point to get to warp drive. Also, when you get your ass kicked in a war to the point of like almost being exterminated like the side that's conquering typically co-ops some of your technology Mm -hmm. but the kelpies never advanced beyond spikes yeah well beyond hunter-gatherer status i mean they're still living in fishing huts (laughs) it it, i I know where the hell were these bowels living like are there (laughs) these tar pits all over the damn you know why do the Kelpies even bother hunting these things? They holy shit. Yeah, they had no meat on their bones. No nothing. Yeah. They served no purpose other than to be nefarious. Is the only purpose that the Baal had. Do you think they were trying episode. to make them seem nefarious? Uh I did. I mean must have been a very subtle thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was just uh <sighs> Like I said, this was not done in a very satisfying way. Maybe the septic tank that they popped up out of was actually a cloning vat. Because we are on Camino, right? Mm. Yeah, we are on Camino. Which is where the cloners are from. I don't know, man. This is pretty bad. I'm still a little fuzzy on how the Universal Translator works. (laughs) It still seems like it's a little too easy. Just open your flip phone and then everything works. I thought it was kind of cool. At least showed her opening it up and then they're speaking English. I was okay with that. I thought for a minute when she talked about spikes growing into his head where the threat boners were, I was like, oh my God, are the Kelpians going to turn into the Jim Hadar after? (laughs) But no, instead they decided to make it way more stupid than that and have like fold out rocket launcher (laughs) spike things. They're like like fucking R2-D2 with some, you know. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was pretty bad. So here's the other thing. The the other thing that kind of annoys me about this, and I hope, actually, I, I, let me rephrase that. I fear that this is going to be a continuous thread throughout the rest of the season, is that whenever we need information or anything, we're just going to go back to the sphere now. <laughs> like, we may have reached a little far into the realm of possibility where we're like, we're going to cross-reference our only Kelpian specimens before and after Vaharai biological signs, and we're going to cross-reference this with what the sphere took 3,000 years ago, because apparently it scanned all the biological signs 
over thousands of years on this planet. Yeah, I was gonna say, and then we can cross-reference it. It wasn't like it just took a snapshot because they were able to fast-forward and rewind it. So, like, it, <laughs> I guess it stayed there for three thousand years. Maybe it came back. Oh man, I don't really know. We we Deus Ex Machina the hell out of that thing. We Deus Ex Machina the hell out of this episode. <laughs> but we'll get there. So. Also, yeah. why is Tilly so goddamn surprised that the information is stored in a non-random way? She's like, it's like it's organized, not random. It's like, no shit, the storage is not random. <laughs> yeah, but but BotBot got some more lines. BotBot's becoming a very important member of the crew. <laughs> She's like, only BotBot can do this. I'm like, it doesn't really look like BotBot is functioning that much faster than anyone else. <laughs> like, it's not like, it's, you know, it's not... She's not doing commander data shit. She's just moving at a normal human pace. Yeah. I don't know. Warren keeps saying we'll get information on BotBot. I would like to get there because that's another thing I don't fucking understand. It'll be in the sphere. I don't know why Ash Tyler had to get a normal Discovery uniform again since they went out of the way to make sure he didn't feel like a part of the crew because Pike's kind of been a dick to him. I didn't understand why they gave him a uniform. I thought his Forever 31 leather outfit was a little bit <laughs> kind of cooler. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. I didn't. <laughs> I don't write the show. I just critique it. They're like, look, after the Orca, we have a bad history of people in Blade Runner outfits. You need to, <laughs> you need to shape up. I'm surprised, though, that his uniform doesn't match his comm badge. It doesn't have, like, black shoulder things and department <laughs> color stuff everywhere. Oh, man. Was he security chief this episode? No, he is the Section 31 liaison. Well, I know, but... Yeah, they, f- they forgot that they had the security chief in this episode. I'm still unhappy with the fact that Janet Reno and Braceface only appear in every other episode. <laughs> Like, when you're having to shoot at people, isn't it a good idea to have your security chief up on the bridge? I mean, usually your security chief is, like, also a tactical mm. officer. Mm-hmm. Seemed like that would have made sense. But I guess she got the episode off. Yeah. Maybe she was off shift. Willie, did you ever find out what the deal was with shifts? No, I forgot all about our, our at-length conversation on it. You had one job. <laughs> Yeah. I did like at the beginning of the episode, I will say this, a point with life imitating art where Dr. Nurse was talking to Saru and was like, ah, you seem to be fine, but I've never seen any Kelpians, so to hell do I know. And uh, since you went through your uh, Valium, he's like Valhalla syndrome, she's like, what the fuck ever? (laughs) (laughs) I don't bother to learn the names either. Way to go, Dr. Nurse. (laughs) Um, I guess that was the end of that point. <laughs> I do that a lot. I'll say something and then I'll kind of continue like there's going to be more to it. And I realize, no, that was the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the, I guess the other thing that she tells him is like, well, based from here to now, you got a lot more testosterone going. Yeah. Very ironic that Saru had to lose his threat boner to actually grow some balls. But it is the great balance. <laughs> that is true. So, that's a good point. Yeah, you know what? 
let's just pivot. Let's just talk about all the things we hated in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't feel like we even need to try and discuss any any merits on this episode. Um, I, I guess I shouldn't say that. Uh, some of the visuals were still pretty good, although I thought the bowel ships. Maybe they achieved warp drive, but they didn't achieve aesthetic accomplishments yet <laughs> because their ships looked pretty dumb. I mean, what is this Top Gun where you you fly in formation so close that you can't show up on radar and then you just peel out all around somebody when you get there? I thought that was dumb. And it was synchronized swimming in space. <laughs> they're gonna release the hands of death. Uh, and and point their five fingers at you, and they're going to fire lightning bolts from their fingers. That's their main weaponry. Look, none of that shit made any sense at all. And why do your hails now come with, like, staticky, red dot, nefarious-looking responses? It was like the computer in in, uh, a 1980s sci-fi movie where, like, it's got the little line going across the screen, and when it talks, it waves out and everything that... That's how these things hailed, apparently. We have seen your human media called Night Rider. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But like I said, Saru's indifference to Pike walking in was the best part of the episode to me. Then, yeah, we beams down the planet. We get to see Serana. <sighs> Big reveal. I thought there was terrain that was impassable in between you two. It seemed very passable to just fly back to the planet and beam down, but whatever. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> I, I still appreciate how it seems like even when Philippa Georgia was lieutenant, she did not have that much regard for the uh, Prime Directive. Oh, we're going to get to the Prime Directive, <laughs> but not the, just yet. Yeah, we shit all over that one in this episode, didn't we? <laughs> so, I did not care for Pike in this episode. This is the first episode that I cannot recall an instance of him just breaking the fourth wall, looking at the camera and saying, audience, forgive us for this stupid bullshit. Audience, forgive us for we have sinned. <laughs> we have built the Star Trek on, yeah. on fungal transports. Yeah. But uh, I don't know that he did. He, he didn't get a... Well, he did get screen time. Hey, I have a prediction for next episode. Okay. Lay it on me. Okay, I predict next episode at the beginning, Pike will say they need to follow a rule, and then toward the end of the episode, he'll decide to break the rule. Do you think that they will invoke Captain's prerogative to do it? I don't know about that. Is Pike the most wishy-washy motherfucker in the fleet? (laughs) Why is Pike even the captain? Every decision in this episode was made by someone else. He's like, Saru, you need to be quiet. And Saru's like, fuck you, I'm going to talk. I'm going to break the bridge, and then I'm going to talk. <laughs> yeah. Saru, I am not sending you down to that planet. That's a bad idea. <laughs> Burnham's like, I think Saru needs to come. Let's go. And then Thea and Saru's like, we got to start puberty in every Kelpian. And Pike's like, I'm not going to be responsible for the genocide of the bowels. Until he's like, you know, we could use the uh, transmitter. And Burnham's like, do it. I'm like, what? who's the fucking captain why are you here pike (laughs) so okay i can get behind it might be an okay idea to take saru back down even though he's pretty obviously mentally uh a wild card compromised yeah 
why does nobody remember the Pavan Crystal Dick mission? Like, hey, does anybody remember the last time on away mission we had a Saru that felt no fear? Dude went fucking bonkers. <laughs> Ash Tyler's there. Why didn't he say, this motherfucker beat the shit out of me? Twice. <laughs> but, no, we're going to take him down. But I don't think it's a good idea to beam him back to his specific village. Mm. If all you're looking for is a priest. I need an old priest and a young priest. <laughs> the power of Baal compels you. I he thought did a pretty was... good job of picking out his old village, considering I guess he'd seen it from space once. I don't know, maybe Kelpians, maybe, maybe they have a sophisticated mapping. They they asked, the, they asked the Sphere which village was his. Oh yeah, I'd probably scanned it. Yeah. And it was a little baby Kelpie, it's a root. Wouldn't you think he just saw it with his superior Kelpian vision? <laughs> Enhance. <laughs> so uh, Saru's back at his home planet. He's going to beam down into the village that he escaped from. And he's going to go talk to his sister. And I guess assume that the Baul who keep a watchful eye and the Great Balance aren't going to notice the black chick and the Kelpian who... Everybody thought was dead walking around the village. Yeah. Not just around the village, right by the pylon. It's like, you know, when you walk into Target, you're planning on stealing something. You don't want to look directly at the camera. He looked directly at the camera. And so then the little red eye pops up. Um, what was the name of the damn computer in 2001 Space Odyssey? Hal. Yeah. Hal lights up his red eye. And uh, and watches them. So they go and they they talk to the priest and and then she's like, but well, then we find out we find out she did see him fly away. So it was not like a secretive escape. <laughs> Do you think the bowel? Uh, you think they're based off Claw from Inspector Gadget? Because like after I heard their voice and saw the little eye zoom in. I expected it to cut to a screen where it's just a chair and you see like this hand petting a cat that says, Gadget, Kirpian, you have returned. <laughs> this episode was so fucking stupid. Oh, I loved it. It was good. Um, What the fuck is Sriracha talking about? Because the whole first half of the episode, she's acting like she was pissed at him because we thought you were dead. We thought you had angered the bowels. And then she completely 180s on that. And she's like, well, you know, I saw you go. <laughs> and Pike even says, they've seen warp technology. I'm, I'm so confused. Do they worship the bowel as gods or do they know that it's just a warp capable society that's calling them? Like, what? I, mm. Hey, any advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So mm. maybe they do think they are gods and they're managing the great balance. <laughs> Did you like how Sriracha was like, just by being here, you could have angered the bowels. They're very irritable. And <laughs> then it starts like rumbling. And. <laughs> oh, man. She's like, you hear the rumble? It's about to get bad. You have to leave. And I'm like, I was like, they're not going to just leave. They're not going to go start shit and then just leave. But they did. And Burnham goes, Discovery 2 to beam out. I'm like, what the fuck did you just do that for? 
if you were going to beam straight out, what the hell was it? Oh, my God. <laughs> they were about to hear the sound of thunder. <laughs> I guess. So. Well, and, and I mean, I, I guess this show got me. <laughs> I would have bet you my next paycheck that Discovery 2 to beam out. Burnham, we can hear you, but something's jamming our transporters. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, boy. No, the jam transporters didn't come till later in the episode when they needed them. Right. So we beam up, and then the Ba'ul come and hail us. They spread out in their little formation, and they tell us they're going to shoot us. And Pike says, no, we're going to kill you back if you try to kill one of mine. <laughs> kill you back. And so Saru goes and beams back down to the planet, right? And then they take him. What the? F- so Why wouldn't Saru have just surrendered himself to the Ba'ul? From the bridge? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I was too busy thinking that, that the Starfleet of this era is like the fucking prequel Jedi. They don't give a shit about anybody. They're like, oh, planet right on our doorstep where there's two sentient races and one commits, uh, I, I guess it's quite genocide, but it's mass murder as soon as everybody gets close to puberty. Ah, we're cool with that. <laughs> Why would we bother stopping the slave trade on Tatooine? <laughs> we have trade routes to negotiate. I, t- I know. I hate this Starfleet. They are the worst. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, you'd think when Philippa Giorgio beamed him up and uh, he tells her about all this, she would have been like, oh my God. <laughs> you would think so. Is this a joke? <laughs> but no. And th- th- This is going on right now where I just took you away from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You're assuming he explained all that. It doesn't seem like anybody knew about it. So, very first episode, he talked about his threat boners and being predator and prey. Yeah, but he didn't get into details. Okay, fine. Also, the whole predator prey thing made it sound a little bit more like the food chain. This is so far beyond predator and prey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's completely ridiculous. This is, it puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again <laughs> type situations. <laughs> Put the fucking lotion in the basket. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm lotioning. I'm lotioning. <laughs> oh, my God. Joe Dirt was also better than this episode. So anyway, so he beams back down, and then they take him and Serana, even though I don't guess it really made sense why they took Serana. Well, I think it's because Sriracha knew about the true meaning of Valhalla. Well, I guess I guess she did at that point, yeah. So they take him up, and there's some technology there that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And this, <laughs> this was a dumb fucking room. They could ratchet them to the wall as needed. Why wouldn't you just kill them? Look. If we know anything about nefarious characters, they always explain their plan. Always. Yes, they have to monologue. Why wouldn't they just kill the fucking Kelpians anyway, instead of uh, letting them live? And they were still basically in hiding, right? The uh, the Bowels. Basically. Yeah. I just... I'm, uh, I think I liked Saru better when he was shrouded in mystery about his heritage in the past. <laughs> but at least I could imagine that it was better than this. But so they tell him everything. And they're like, oh, no, you guys are badasses whenever you hit puberty. And we decided that we had to stop that. And, of course, conveniently, Discovery figures this out pretty much at the same time, too, right? Right. So he tells them all their plans. And then for advanced species, 
the way that you neutralize someone is to bring in a little flying drone who's going to drill into your brain hole, and that's how they're going to neutralize you. Your brain <laughs> like, hole? Like, was this like a lobotomy? <laughs> were they going to lobotomize him? <laughs> like, what were they doing? They were <laughs> going to extract his... They're going to extract the memory? <laughs> his spiky glands and replace oh, it with geez. two threat boners? I don't know. Must have been a reverse eunuch. <laughs> but so, of course, even though he wasn't strong enough to pull his way off. He hawks out. It, it, it just grabs it. Better Kelpie get. Stronger Kelpie get. <laughs> oh, man. Saru threatens. Saru smash. Yeah. And just starts flinging these things around. And they just start coming in there one by one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Quickly, quickly. Send another <laughs> drone in. One at a time. <laughs> Should we send the ones with lasers on them? No. <laughs> He's using the ones with the brain hole augmenters. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Again. <laughs> Like a lot of times in this show, these are very singularly designed technologies that we're seeing here. Like, these are either the melon ballers or the neutralizers. <laughs> Maybe they were both. Maybe they were sitting in the back and they're like, damn it, I can do this. Give me a chance. I can do more than that. Or we sent our security team to kill Tasha Yar. All that's left are the kitchen bots. Fine. Bring in the melon ballers. <laughs> oh, man. Were you guys reminded of the Tasha Yar thing? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I thought that too. Okay. You know what usually happens before you invent warp drive? You figure out how to clean the goddamn oil slick off your skin and invent clothes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but it's okay, because um, af after he Hulk smashes his way out of danger, which apparently they only had five of those melon ballers anyway, right? <laughs> I mean, even if they had more, what's the sixth one going to do? <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. That's true. Fooled me five times, shame on you. I guess you're right. So they didn't want to sacrifice too many melon ballers. <laughs> but it's okay, because Saru knows exactly which floor plate is the hailing device. <laughs> no, no, no. I thought, he, I thought he cobbled it together. Oh, from... he, he's right. He, he does. <laughs> oh, you're right. He rips the floor up with a transmission device. Because having just gone through what we saw, it was last episode, having just gone through that... It seems like the sensible thing to do would be make your entire species go through it in a fraction of the timeline. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a legitimate Dude, plan. This bothered me so goddamned much. <laughs> okay, first, let's just skip over the fact that Saru fucking Kelpie MacGyvered the shit out of these melon ballers to turn them <laughs> into a walkie-talkie. Like, I don't even know that that's possible, but whatever. Then this is another thing where Pike just doesn't really make the decision. And he's just kind of passive. Well, clearly the only thing to do is force puberty upon my entire race. I'm like, there's no fucking way they're going to do this. Because they were talking about Prime Directive. Oh, explain to me the mental gymnastics of, well, Prime Directive doesn't really apply here. Because they're from a planet where another species has warp drive. And uh, they do know about space travel, so eh, we can say it's not really a prime directive. 
But Jacob's people, who came from a planet that invented warp drive, whose exact same fucking species invented warp drive, they're basically <laughs> just marooned there. He was hardcore that that was a prime directive situation. And I'm like, I don't fucking understand this. But worse than that, it's so important. We can't interfere. But he's like, oh, we're going to force the entire species into Valhalla? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm surprisingly okay with this plan. That is beyond Prime Directive. Like, you're kind of crossing into, like, <laughs> Nazi scientist shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Playing God a little bit. What if Saru was the only one that could survive Valhalla Syndrome? Well, yeah, that was what I was wondering in the last episode. Mm. <laughs> Imagine if somebody went to Vulcan and forced Ponfar on the entire planet all at once. How that would have gone. <laughs> I mean, we saw what it did to Spock, right? <laughs> kind of went bonkers. Well, I mean, that's the kind of episode that normally the good guys would be called in to stop shit like that. Right. Spontaneous planet-wide Ponfar. That would be a hell of a thing. <laughs> like, well, I'm going to knock off work early because... Ain't shit getting done today. <laughs> the rivers ran white with splooge. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Are there rivers on Vulcan? I don't ever actually see them. I, it's kind of just a rocky, desolate planet every time I've seen it. I mean, I know that um, Kal-El did have to... Or not Kal-El. Jor-El. Jor <laughs> yeah, Jor-El had to dive down the river to get the skull. But other than that, I don't know how much water there is on Vulcan. I think Vulcan's kind of a desert planet. For the most part. That's kind of what I gathered, too. Um, back to this uh, Dr. Strangelove. Mein Führer. Plan. <laughs> <laughs> On top of it being highly, highly unethical, it also is just a boneheaded plan because it basically leads to genocide of the entire Kelpian race if we don't mm. get Angel X Machina to come in and pull our Gormaganders out of the fire. <laughs> yeah, but Saru Saru talked uh, Pike into this. He said, look, I think this is why the Red Angel brought us here. We got to do it. Pike's like, sold. Pike was not like, sold. Pike was like, I don't know. Until he's like, I think we can do it. And Burnham's like, do it. And Pike's like, oh, whatever you girls say. But basically, yeah, then the bowels did exactly what the fuck you would think they would do, which is planetary sterilization plan number seven no this was number one this was the first planetary sterilization plan how did they implement that 2200 years ago but they still haven't figured out warp drive until like 20 years and you know what i already talked about that fuck it. Mm. moving on well 2200 years ago they were just going to poison the water hole <laughs> they've gotten a little more advanced now i don't think so i think that that stuff's been there for a while uh, I mean, it couldn't have been easy to control the entire planet for 2,000 years. I don't think they could have done it manually with the 50 bowel that were left or whatever it was. By the way, I liked it when they beamed down and they're like, well, that's not a Kelpian monolith. It's like, no fucking shit. Is it made of seaweed and thatch? No, then it's not a fucking Kelpian thing. Way to go, Miss Xenobiologist. Anyway. <laughs> So the bowel react exactly how a rational person would expect them to and decide if you're going to push all these people through puberty, we are going to have to fucking kill them. And Pike is like, I am shocked by this. What kind of psychopathic 
assholes would hold a warrior race hostage by having a kill switch on the entire planet. (laughs) (laughs) What a bunch of dickwads. And Burnham's in the back like, um, I kind of need to tell you about our trip to Kronos, but not right now. (laughs) Later. I got... Might want to get off your fucking high horse there, Pike. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And then it gets dumber because Pike's like, target him. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to shoot phasers. And he's like, photon torpedoes are like, what? (laughs) These things are right in the middle of every fucking village. Village. They are throbbing with energy, <laughs> and you are going to shoot a photonic explosive device <laughs> right down into the middle of them. They haven't discovered brick yet. These things won't stand up to the big bad wolf, the Kelpian huts, and you're going to have a torpedo? Like You are just going to save them the trouble and genocide away. Never mind the fact they said there were 4,000 of these things, and I don't think Discovery could launch whatever. That was such a bad idea. Yeah. DS9 only had 5,000 photon torpedoes on it. It's an illusion. A trick. (laughs) It's no illusion. That was a good episode. That was a very good episode. That episode was better than this episode. That episode was better than this episode. I agree with you. Every pop culture reference we've made <laughs> is better. Is from something better than this episode. <laughs> what about the Doctor Evil layer raising from the lake to <laughs> witness the genocide? Like, <laughs> of course, it was right off the coast from Saru's <laughs> village, too. Of course. What? Where else would it have been? It's a good thing Kelpies can't swim because I guess they would have found that down there. But <laughs> anyway, they're afraid of the water. And I, I was also like. You should really just have to shoot the one that's right beside it because it looks like it goes to it and then spreads out from each of them. Yeah, these things were definitely in series. Why don't you just target the first node in the circuit and just break the circuit? Then it'll be fine. But I don't know. They're like, oh shit, we have just created a problem we cannot solve. (laughs) Sorry about that, Saru. (laughs) Looks like you're back on the endangered species list. Yeah. Hey, Saru, I'm glad to know you were okay being the only Kelpian in Starfleet because we're about to get back to status quo here real fast. Quick question. Do you mind so. fucking your sister? Because that's the only place little Kelpies are going to come from. Oh, God. I don't know, man. Luckily, Saru <laughs> was from the south part of the continent, so he was like, I'm down with it. Maybe that was why her threat boners were going off so much <laughs> when he was around. Maybe. Yeah, this episode was dumb. So why, if the Red Angel... I'm sorry, if literally the Red Angel Machina is so advanced, why did it need the bio to activate all the pylons to blow them up? It was just flexing nuts. It was like, I'm going to call y'all here. I'm going to let y'all fuck it all up. <laughs> and yeah. then I'm going to make one hell of an entrance. I'm going to come screaming in from orbit like a bat out of hell. And I'm going to fix this shit for you. Yeah, whichever one of you dickheads was questioning my motives, <laughs> we're just gonna we're we're gonna really dial it up on this one. So here's what I want to know. So the Baul, I don't quite understand. I listened to this twice because it didn't make any sense the first time. It equally didn't make any sense the second time. They're like, it's okay, we can force them to evolve. It's gonna take them hundreds of years to be organized enough to 
pose any real threat to the Baha'u'll. I'm like, how does that make this okay? And why would you say that it's going to take two to three hundred years for them? I mean, once the Kelpians started evolving, they almost wiped Baul out in like four seconds. Sarut, <laughs> you know, two minutes before he flip flop, he's like, they don't have to fear technology, they fear our rage. Okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Man, we are putting a lot on Sriracha. Like, okay, you have to convince your entire race to just like chill out. And be like, look, guys, slavery wasn't that bad. <laughs> I mean, I'm with you, you know, hashtag Kelpie Lives Matter, but we're going to be cool about this, right? <laughs> Nobody overreact. It was just years of mass murder and keeping us down. And yeah, sure, they slaughtered generations of us before our time, but okay. Let's show them we can be peaceful. I don't think this is going to end well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this was pretty bad. I, uh, essentially, what Starfleet did was doom the Baul to hopefully merciful deaths at the hands of Kelpians very quickly. But more likely, they kind of robbed Peter to pay Paul <laughs> on this one, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> look, look, Pike got to the planet. He's like, well, somebody's getting genocided today. I love the smell of genocide in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> We got to pick your pain, so outside with the ruse, folk. The problem that I had with this, even given the fact that I didn't hate it quite as much as you guys did, um, it, it comes back to what you guys were saying previously when we were talking about Kelpians. You know, okay, these guys can run ridiculously fast and are really, really smart and are just insanely strong. And now they're, like, free, and they're able to, like, shoot freaking spikes out of their head. Where the fuck are these people? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, they should be, like, running everything. It's, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> that's why I thought they were going to turn into Jim Hadar. Be like, oh, that's where they came from. <laughs> Does it make any sense? No. But still, uh, that would have been hilarious if they had if they done that. Oh, man, I wish that in the episode when uh, Saru's spike shot off, I wish he'd been like, "I swear to God, that never happens." <laughs> because you know, <laughs> I mean, hell, he didn't know what they were. You know? No, because the writers think that that this is too highbrow for comedy like that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. But but the Baal had like a shield around him. Like, ha ha, I knew you were going to shoot spikes at me. I've been saving this shield for 2,000 years. Yeah, it's it's too highbrow for humor like that, but they have the scene where, um, where Tilly goes one way and then turns around and runs the other way. So. <laughs> well, don't forget Linus sneezing on not Spock. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had a lot of... Uh... A lot of highbrow comedy. But, okay, so anyway, Red Angel streaks down from orbit and poses for a picture that Saru's not actually taken. <laughs> and he sees her with his Kelpie eyes, and we see it's a human. A humanoid. Humanoid, yeah. Well, yeah. Ash's, on, Ash's only point in this episode was to confirm that the Red Angel's time traveling. I think that was the one piece of exposition he delivered. I was like, holy fucking shit. 
I'm going to end up being goddamn right. Because remember what, when we uh, met Lorca and Michael, I was like, she's going to put on a fucking angel suit. So I want it to be Burnham. It's literally an angel suit. That's... I don't think it is Burnham. I'm still I'm still leaning toward it. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I think it's Burnham's mama. I think Burnham's mama is a member of Section 32. Which is one better than Section 31. Yup, they do the Section 31 shit from the future. And and she had to cover her tracks, so she was like, what's something plausible? Logical extremist? Okay, I'll use that to fake my death. Oh, you mean, you mean real mama? I, th- I thought you were talking about Amanda. No, I, I think it's real mama. Oh, boy. Real mama was supposedly, anyway, killed by Klingons. Oh, I thought she was killed by the Vulcan extremists. Nah, the Vulcan extremists just bombed the academy. Oh, that's right. Don't you remember Burnham hid in the cupboard? All the Klingons laughed or something. Yeah, I remember that now. Ha, ha, ha. Klingon laughs are awful. They're melodramatic. That would have been the worst part of probably that whole situation was just having to listen to Klingon's laugh. Yeah, have nothing to do with the fact that her parents were both murdered. That Not, not at all. No. <laughs> I'm glad you agree. <laughs> I don't remember any of this shit. Why did the Klingons attack? Not explained. Not explained yet. The Red Angel's gonna take her back there and actually save her parents. Alright then, it's future Burnham. They're gonna tie it into what Saru said. This is about her becoming who she's supposed to be and not who she was. She's gained faith. That's the whole season arc. She's gaining faith and becoming who she's supposed to be, along with the help of some mycelium and Phoenix. I don't know how, but... Phoenix. <sighs> and they're going to travel on the mycelium highway to and from. I don't know. I feel like this is shaping up to be as stupid a conclusion as season one. What do you think? I don't doubt that at all. Who do you think is the Red Angel? Or Red Angels. I suppose they could be more than one. I don't know. I feel like we're putting way too much cosmic travel with Colbert and Mae West. And I don't know what direction they're going to take this. But I know that we have... We just break everything. Like <laughs> I think we've said this before. This would be an entertaining sci-fi show if they hadn't have tried to put the Star Trek decal on it. You know? If they just said, hey, it's a new sci-fi show of a space-faring organization that gets into shenanigans, I could have gone along with that. But we just we just continue to break everything. Now we have a time-traveling energy suit woman. I'm assuming woman. It had some voluptuous hips on that thing. Flying around, saving people across space-time. I joked about Section 32, but... There is like a branch of Starfleet. They deal with the temporal prime directive. Yes. <clears throat> I mentioned them previously. What are they called? Do you remember? I mean, this seems like the kind of thing that, that they might do, like going back and rectifying timelines. Maybe it's the Jadvaj. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Warden, you mentioned there was something in this that tied to Picard. Have we got to that part yet? 
does BotBot try to summon the killer AIs from the mirror mycelial universe? Um, Do you even remember what that comment was in reference to? Um, Are you fumbling through how to try and tell us? <laughs> I'm going to need an answer from you at some point here, Ward. Um, I, I can answer two different ways. One is, yes, there is actually a planned crossover between Discovery and Picard. So that is a thing. The other thing is really more speculative on my part, but we haven't gotten to that yet. Okay. Hey, I got a question. At the end of this episode, apparently all this stuff reminds Byrne that she needs to go home to Vulcan, but her dad regularly travels around. Her mom was there like three days ago, and her brother is on the lam. Why would all this make you think that you're supposed to go home? What's, what's at home? That's where the heart is. Maybe she left her book there. We kind of left that plot line in the, in the dirt, didn't we? The whole Alice in Wonderland thing. and the, Holy shit, is that a book? <laughs> yeah. I feel, like, I feel like we made a really big deal oh about that. Oh, my God. Oh, man. This show. This show is not good. <laughs> no, it's, it's you know. <laughs> I keep watching these episodes and I, I watch them and uh, as I sit through the episode, I want to like it and I want it to be a better episode. And I'll admit sometimes when it's a better episode, but I'm worried that eventually there's going to be an episode that Warden and Joe Bob are going to love mm-hmm. and I'm going to come in here and start bashing it and I'm just going to be the pariah. And so far that hasn't happened. I was going to say. I... It's very relieving to me. I mean, the one that I liked the most this season was uh, Terry Eden, whatever the fuck it was. Mm-hmm. And you didn't like it particularly, and everything you said was fair, and I agreed with, so. <laughs> That's true. Look, it's Star Trek. Star Trek's like sex, right? Even when it's bad. You still had sex? No, I was going to say you still have to pay a CBS exec for it, but... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like I'm implying that CBS execs are prostitutes. There's no more to that. That was the end of that thought. So, yeah, I it could be setting up for some sort of temporal section 31, whatever that group is. I don't remember. So, Willie, you could be right. They could be doing something kind of like they did with the J.J. Abrams verse and saying, well, Somebody's going back in time and changing things, and that's creating a branching timeline, so this is not prime Star Trek anymore. That's right. Could be. You know, we've established that when you go back and change something, it creates an alternate timeline, and there's definitely somebody going back and changing things. Yep. I was glad in this episode to get back to the seven red lights, because I feel like that has been the more intriguing part of this season. Definitely not the Klingon politics. Definitely not the mycelium. Definitely not anything with fucking Phoenix. But Seven Red Lights I'm kind of interested in, but I, I was a little disappointed in this one because, you know, we had joked about it being like the Dungeons of Zelda, and I thought it was cool. Y'all may not have thought it was cool. You may have just been making fun of it, but I kind of did think it was cool how they had to be done in order. Mm-hmm. Like at the first one, you got the asteroid yeah. that lets you save the day in the second one. Mm-hmm. So I was a little disappointed that there wasn't anything that linked the second one to the third one. 
it would have made sense if the sphere had been a red light, yep. but it wasn't. It was just flying through space. I thought that too. If the sphere had been a red light, then it would have mm -hmm. made some kind of logical progression. It wasn't. No, it wasn't a red light. It was just, they just got caught in the web, right? I didn't think it was a red light. I, I don't doubt you. I'm just trying to. I, I don't I'm think just, it was a red light. I think they were just flying. It was definitely not explained as a red light. Because I thought it was a red light at first because they had the red nebula. And I said, why the fuck are you going to make the nebula red? That's confusing. Warden, you've, you've seen the season. Like You can't think of what the I know, but, red you know, are. I've seen it a lot. You don't know what all seven red lights off the top of your head are? Come on. <laughs> this show is a confusing mess. <laughs> but not to those whose heart is open to hear the message. Isn't that what the little girl said when she threw the dust in the air? Message in a bottle. It's so deep. It needs its own voiceover. <laughs> I'm sick of the fucking voiceovers. Just give me a captain's log. That's all I want. I think I said that last week. Yep, you did. I didn't get it. I got Saru doing it, but... Yeah, we at least had a different person doing it. <sighs> I don't know. I still liked the dungeon coming up out of the water. At least that was kind of uh, Legend of Zelda to me. <laughs> <laughs> they drained the, the murky marsh and found the next castle. Dee -dee -dee -dee. That is true. <laughs> they think that the way that the Red Angel moves through time is with an ocarina. <laughs> Sometimes. That was it. Yeah. Was like C left, C up, C right. <laughs> the only other comment I had jotted down while I was watching this was, am I still drunk or is the room actually spinning? What the fuck was going on with some of the camera work? Yeah. You could see him taking steps at the beginning when, when they were at the damn map at the tactical map. Yeah. I was like, Oh, we did a three sixty. No, we did a seven twenty. No, we did a ten eighty. No, we did. It yeah. just kept fucking going around and around and around. I thought that too. I was like, this is becoming a self-parody. Like, are they just <laughs> going to keep doing it? I could not believe how long it spun around. I mean, I'm all for, like, weird camera angles and tricky shit, but, like, don't fucking overdo it to the point yeah. that it becomes distracting. When I start noticing it, you've done it too much. Because I'm not... I didn't go to film school with Glenn at the upstairs Iowa State Night School Community College. <laughs> so when I'm noticing that shit, mm, you overplayed your hand. <laughs> yeah, one thing we didn't talk about in this episode was the whole uh, Dr. Colber. He's not himself, but he is himself. But he doesn't have a scar, but he remembers how he supposedly got it. You think that's going to play out in some kind of like mental breakdown? And they're going to have to put him back into the network to cure him. Uh, I don't know. And he and Stamets are going to go in there together and they're going to walk in the mushrooms happily ever after. That would be some epic <laughs> trolling. <laughs> I feel like they at least opened the door. If they killed their double minority to bring him back <laughs> and then kill him again. Because he's barely been in any of the episodes. Like, right. I don't think he said more than like two sentences in this one. They at least built the foundation for there being some kind of breakdown with Culber. By the way, way to not know your fucking spouse there, uh, Stamets. He's like, oh, your scar's gone. That's cool. And he's like, the scar's what made me be a doctor. <laughs> That's part of who I am. I was like, oh, shit. 
Damn it, spam. Learn what to fucking say. Say fewer things. <laughs> Goddamn Tilly's rubbing off on him. Tilly wasn't in this episode a lot. She wasn't that annoying. She was still annoying. Yeah, yeah she was annoying when she was on the screen, but she was busy being useless while BotBot did all the heavy lifting on the card catalog. <laughs> I guess you were cool that there was like some librarian type shit, Warden. I guess you were happy about that, huh? Sure. Okay. I was trying to... <laughs> I didn't read it as particularly librarian-y type shit. Yeah, I can see where that would be cool. I don't know. I just feel like if we... if Are we going to bring the Sphere's knowledge into every episode from here on out? Are you asking me? No, well, rhetorically. <laughs> I guess I'm more asking Joe Bob. I mean, I don't know because it would make sense to hand wave it off with that, but... They don't care about explaining how they know things sometimes and how they don't know things other times. You think Section 31 is going to be cool with the fact that Discovery now has the archive from Dresden on their ship just in a totally uncontrolled manner? They're just downloading all the information of all time. Hmm. I think it's going to probably cause some, some issues. I think we hit everything. I mean, we just made fun of a lot of stuff. <laughs> so... As it closed, I guess we're going back to Vulcan for the next episode. I don't know. I, I assume this will be to get some flashback scenes about Burnham and the Red Angel leading Spock to her. Maybe we'll see Sarek some more. Amanda's supposedly out looking for Spock. Or maybe maybe there is a, a red signal on Vulcan and Burnham has to go intervene in a logic extremist terrorist attack and subvert it. Oh, God. I hope we get more logic extremists. That's my favorite faction. Maybe she talks a logic extremist out of doing something illogical. <laughs> oh, my God. She's a Vulcan hostage negotiator. Yeah, be fun. We do not negotiate with logical people. <laughs> So overall impression of this episode was that it was kind of a mess, but it's it's one of these Goldilocks episodes, not too bad, not very good. I shouldn't say Goldilocks, because that means it's just right. It's more like in the Bible when Jesus says, I'm going to spit you out because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. <laughs> it's not bad enough to be fun to laugh at, but it's not good enough to be legitimately good on its own. I feel like this really ought to have been two episodes if they were going to make it decent. They should have ended it when the bowels showed up and finished it next week because they packed a lot of shit into this. Yeah, there was a lot to unpack with this one. We kind of just left the laundry all over the floor, and that's fine. <laughs> there was no organizing this mess. Um, but yeah, Saru has people now, and apparently they shoot shit out of their head. And they may or may not kill the other people on their planet, which apparently we're okay with. I hope they come back like towards the end of the season and they're like, so how are things going between you and the bowel? And they're like, oh, we killed them all. Yeah. Like literally minutes after you guys left, <laughs> we wasted no time. We killed every one of those greasy bastards. Yeah. <laughs> These are their heads on pikes. Saru goes back to his village and like there's bowel heads on spikes. And he's like, my village looks the same yet. Somewhat different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
They're like, what happened to the Baul? They're like, you remember the sushi we served you? <laughs> we ate their threat, Ganglia. So what's next for us, Warden? Well, to share with the audience, as we discussed as a, a group, um, we're going to start doing a sprint here to get to the end of the second season so that we can start the third season reasonably close to when the rest of the world is seeing the third season. The people have spoken. And all two of you out there want us to <laughs> accelerate the pace. Exactly. To be uh, releasing the content fairly close to when it comes out as far as season three goes. So next up, have two episodes back to back. Just sort of kind of works out that the next six episodes kind of can be neatly divided into groups of two and kind of make sense together as packages. So the next episode is of sheer fucking hubris we'll cover the discovery episodes light and shadows and then if memory serves all right so we'll be back next week with whatever it was lightning crashes and memorial service sure <laughs> we are watching two of these a week now god help us all yeah this is how it ends Plot-wise, it's going to start linking up more episode to episode for sure and is going to uh, accelerate. Oh, thank God, because they don't cram enough into each episode already. <laughs> yeah. It's been such a slow burn up to this point. <laughs> oh, man. Are we ever going to see Spock? I'm tired of this fucking Spock tease. You're not into the Spock tease, huh? Yes, there will be eventually a Spock on screen. Oh. Perhaps sooner than you think. <laughs> Why do you think Emperor Augustus, Philippa, Constantine, Giorgio, how do you think she responded to the Baul? Do you think the Baul exists in the alternate timeline? I think they're the ones that turned her on to Kelpie food. Maybe so. Try this. It is excellent with soy sauce. And then she murdered them all. Because general order number four. I mean, if you think she's disgusted by quote-unquote normal aliens, do you think she'd really be interested in cozying up with the swamp creatures? Um, oh, just that's saying. a good point, yeah. She probably wiped them out. I mean, you say she's disgusted by other species, but she did tag-team a couple of Ryans, or get tag-teamed by a couple of Ryans. They're just human enough looking that she'd find it, you know, kinky, I think. Okay. Oh, boy. This show. Anyway. Is the bomb still on Kronos? It's never mentioned. Did it melt down? Did we address that? Never mentioned. The iPad of death? She still has the iPad of death? It's never mentioned. <sighs> Thank God we don't leave loose ends in the show. I mean, I kind of think if LaCrell is still Chancellor, then that bomb's still there. <laughs> I think that's the only... Are you saying you don't think she can hand on the, hang on to power without it? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Who's Chancellor Krell? Are you talking about Mommy? <laughs> yeah. Mama. Mommy dearest. That's what keeps her in power. It's like mom on... I need to stop relating this show to Futurama. Or maybe they just need to stop making this show so much like Futurama. One or the other. <laughs> there needs to be an episode. They're in the... <laughs> Click on High Council. And <laughs> mom. Mommy. Mom. <laughs> Mom! <laughs> Mommy! Mom! <laughs> yep. We need to stop making the same Futurama joke. Because we said that in that episode. 
<laughs> did we? Oh, jeez. It looked like the bowels came up out of mom's robot oil, though. Yeah. Anywho. All right. Warden, take us out. Or Joe Bob, tell <laughs> Warden to take us out. Whichever way we do this. Next week, Lightning Memorial, whatever. Warden, don't spare the horse. <laughs> That's Joe Bob, Biblio Warden, and Mr. Willie signing off. Fight and Fury, performed by R.J. Wilkes, used under license from Shutterstock. Jesus fucking Christ, you guys. Okay. This fucking show. <laughs> this fucking show. It's so bad. I really don't understand the bowels and the the red lights. They don't it it doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. It's so stupid. I, I hate the prime directive. I really, really, really have some problems with it in this episode. <laughs> there's there's nothing virtuous about seeing somebody in trouble or, or suffering and saying, oh, well, because they aren't to a certain point, we don't want to interfere with them. Well, isn't the canon explanation that early on they didn't have the Prime Directive? And they did try to do that, and they had a planet basically uh, nuke itself into almost oblivion because they brought them up too fast. I believe it's something like that. It's like the episode of The Simpsons where Homer goes to the island with the primitive tribe and gets them to build a casino. Oh, uh, he's a missionary, remember? Because <laughs> he's like, I don't even believe in Jeebus. And, uh, <laughs> and then he has them build a casino. And so they're stumbling around on fire water and everything and fighting and burning shit down. The one guy's like, how can Ace be one and 11? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's good. Maybe something like that. <laughs> Could be.